My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. You may be brand new to listening to us. We've been on here for a while, but if you've been around for a few episodes or all the way back in the beginning, you know that uh, we typically don't interview men on this show. So I'll just say that right off the bat. Most of our guests are female because one of the main goals of this podcast is to highlight positive role models for girls, and that means most of the time they are females, in fact, women. But we are switching gears for today's show to bring you a very special interview, and I will tell you right now that it's going to be a tough and emotional one for me. When Brent and I got started in ministry and, you know, we were trying to impact girls, come alongside and support them to walk in their God-given identities, we started to reach out, not knowing any better, you know, not being in the ministry space and both being working professionals. We just started reaching out to people. Um, and we realized really quickly we were entering uncharted territory for us. I mean, we had, we had, uh, you know, jobs that we, you know, essentially quit a few years later, but we started to branch out and build relationships with people sort of all over the place. Lots of church leaders and pastors, also people in book publishing and the media industries. And we found so many amazing people who helped us and supported us. And, um, and as you all know, and I've talked about this a little bit before, you know, the circle of people who have dedicated their lives and their journeys to helping girls specifically follow Jesus to be all that God created them to be. That circle is kind of a small one, but we did find one couple who we immediately gravitated to and we became friends for a lot of different reasons. And that couple is Jonathan and Winter Pitts. And while I wish Winter could be here with us today, we had her on the show several months ago, um, just before she passed back in July. I am so excited and honored today to have her husband, Jonathan, here on the show today. I know you're going to be blessed by this conversation. He is father to four girls, Alina, Katie, Cameron, and Olivia. Guys, Jonathan's heart for God and his girls is so inspirational. To me, he is a modern hero of the faith and just such a blessing to our entire family. It is my pleasure to welcome him to the show today. Jonathan, thanks so much for making time, brother. Oh, thanks for having me, Aaron. I don't know about a uh, modern day hero, but I appreciate uh, I don't say that about everybody, too. I just when I think of somebody <laughs> who's, you know, gone through trials, come out the other side and, you know, obviously d- doesn't have it all figured out. There's a lot to be still worked through, um, you know, not just to raise those babies that you've got, but just to walk the path God's got for you. You know, I just I, I look at your situation and I'm so inspired by it, um, not just in my own faith, but just in, in being a parent and trying to come alongside girls. And it's I know, you know, something that's very near and dear to your heart and has been for many years. So I just appreciate you. Yeah. Well, I'll just say to you what I say to everybody else. It's not me. It's God. So I'm just <laughs> walking it out. So. So so I want to ask you, we're going to dive into a lot of stuff to just catch up today and and keep the conversation light and fun. But first of all, I mean, and for those that don't know, Jonathan and the girls have moved from Texas to Tennessee. And I'm a little afraid to ask this question because I know you've been texting back and forth with Brent about like the transition from moving from a very prideful, very excited to be Texans state of Texas to Tennessee. (laughs) And probably the weather's different. The people are different. So I'm just curious as we get started, how has the transition been from Dallas? Dallas to Franklin, you know, what's it been like for the girls and you new house, new job and everything that you guys have going on? Yeah, it's been, uh, honestly, it's been a real blessing for us and I'm really thankful for it. Uh, when, it's funny though, when you think about it, I didn't realize how Texan my girls were until we moved to Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, everything from like, they don't want to eat the Mexican food here. In oh, how dare they? Hold on. <laughs> yes. 
the annoyance they had at uh, University of Tennessee because their color they call themselves UT and their colors are sort of orangish. Oh, ouch! I didn't so it's think just about fun, that. You know, <laughs> and the pride they take in being Texans. I'm actually really proud of that. I'm not a Texan myself, or I, I wasn't. I guess I became one. I'm from New Jersey originally, but we raised our girls. Like we basically had Alina, my oldest, in New Jersey up until eight months, and then we were in Texas from there on out. So about almost 14 years. So. Um, yeah, so, but it's been a good, it's been a good move. We love it here. It's a beautiful place. I can't think of a better place to raise my girls and, um, just to have my family right now in the season, specifically with all the, what we've gone through than just a loving place and a small close knit community, like, like Franklin. So yeah, that's, really, really- I wanted to ask you too. And I know, I mean, we know a lot of people that are in Franklin, not just in industry, but, but you know, the, the people and friends that we've made along the way, but what has the support system been like, not just being part of a new church, but you know, your neighbors and community and how, how has that really helped as you've made the transition? Cause moving anywhere is hard, but moving under those circumstances can be just as hard and le- leveled in, in, you know, a very deep, you know, you know, way that that really brings with it a lot of challenges. So how has the support from everybody been um, in those in those places that you've experienced? It's funny, you know, that verse that says, uh, in, I think it's in Psalms, it says, I'll, I'll be a father, the father, or not, sorry, not that one, where it says, uh, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and, you know, is with those that are that are hurting, you know, it's just like this reality of, and I should have actually quoted the verse, but I just paraphrased it. <laughs> but the reality is, I was kind of annoyed, people would send me that verse all the time, and I got annoyed. But what I'm experiencing now is not only did God prepare us for this community, but God prepared this community for us. So everything from my girls' school, their school has received them with so much love. Uh, the teachers are, so, I mean, just godly people that love um, ministry because it's Christian school. But they just taken my girls in, loved on them well, uh, brought them into a community that is just amazing. Uh, the church has been amazing. They've received us. I've never in my life experienced the love of a church like I have here. And maybe because I've never gone through anything like I've gone through, but uh, it's been intense. And then even our neighborhood, like God put us in the perfect neighborhood, in the perfect house that Winter prayed for, picked out, moved into with me, spent four nights in prior to us leaving. She would pass, we'd, we'd spend four nights there. We'd leave for about two weeks for vacation and she'd pass and back in Dallas, uh, thankfully, as God would have it. But she was able to pick it out and spend time here. And so our neighborhood, our neighbors, everybody's received us. And it feels like such a small community, especially compared to Dallas is such a big town and big city. Um, so God knew what he was doing and, um, I'm just grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I, um, it's good to hear that too. I think cause from, you know, in being so far away and having Brent, like go visit after the fact and just wanting to support you guys from across the miles, it's good to hear that. And we have, we have a lot of peace about that. Um, cause we know you're, yeah. you're being loved well through a hard time, but, um, I know, you know, it's not something you expected, obviously. And you said winter did spend four days in the house before she passed and you guys have, you know, it was in the middle of this great vacation. You were in Dallas and I know, you know, you didn't expect to be doing this without her and in, in a season of yeah. life that you expected to just be walking together. So would you talk a little bit about what you feel like the Lord has shown you and the girls in this season of having to, to be on your own? And I don't want to say isolated because you do have this support system and structure and, and all of this, um, you know, all of this community type stuff in place. But you know, I'm sure it can feel very isolating. And I'm just curious, you know, when we're spending quiet time with the Lord, when we're seeking him out in moments where it's just, you know, the two of you, what do you really feel mm-hmm. like he's been showing to you? And maybe there's a word or just something that he wants you to be focusing on in this season, not just professionally, but also in your parenting. Um, because when I think about it, you know, you think about it being, you know, it's, it's, it's just me now, you know, what does this mean? I don't have, you know, like their mom to bounce ideas off of. So I'm, I, the word that comes to mind for me is just feeling maybe isolated. Um, mm-hmm. So when you are seeking the Lord in those times, like, what do you feel like he's showing you about you and your faith, but also about the girls? Yeah, I would say um, two things. One, 
he showed me how big he is and how intentional he is. I mean, I don't understand why Winter can't be here, why she's gone. But it was, and we'll talk about it even when we get into the book, like the reality of like his intentionality is so purposeful. Um, but I've never even associated the scripture with it. But as you were talking and, and think and think, having me think through the question, uh, you know, I think about, you know, um, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And one of the things I've realized is that God has shown himself so powerful in the weakest moments of my life. So I'll give you a couple of prime examples. Like I'm not alone. I'm not isolated. My sister, I have three sisters, two in California, actually, uh, one not far from you. And they both have three babies each. Well, my oldest sister has never been married. She doesn't have any kids. So four and a half weeks after, no, five weeks after Winter passed away, um, she actually moved in with me in Nashville. She could do it. She, she dropped her job. She dropped everything. And she said, God told me if, I, if you need me, I'm yours. And so she's here. She cooks for us every day. She's an excellent cook and loves to cook. Oh, thank uh, goodness. Helped- <laughs> like, I would be yeah. I would be lost if Brent was gone because there would be a lot like a cold yeah. cereal around here. And oh, you don't even yeah, know. She helps, she helps me with carpool. Um, awesome. She knows my girls inside and out. She challenges my girls like a mom would. Um, God has put so many surrogate things around us to display his power, even in our weakness. So I still feel weak. I feel incredibly weak. But God is so powerful. It's like it's overshadowed in a lot of ways. His grace has overshadowed any of the pain I could have. So I, it's such a weird paradox. Like I've got all this sorrow for losing my wife and all this joy for watching God provide in crazy ways. First and foremost with my sister, but then also with the church, the support they've been. I mean, they've. if I could tell you the number of people that have been in my house doing odd projects and, I mean, big projects to prepare things for my girls. They even, the, the church even, like decorative my girls' rooms the way they would want them, the way that Winter would want them. I mean, it's just, mm. it's amazing. So his power has been displayed in my weakness and we don't feel, um, we don't feel isolated. Uh, I, I've had some isolating moments, but in general, God has been really incredible. I think what's cool too, and they're just the two words that come to mind. One I use a lot, which is sovereignty and just that God knows, you know, down to the last detail, what you're going to need and how to walk well with you through the seasons that are hard, that are tumultuous. But the other, Mm. the other word that comes to mind is a word that winter used often. And that's the word providence. And he's, he's just so faithful to provide and to be there to care in just the small ways, the big ways and, and in the minor details, it's just encouraging to hear you talk about that. And while you're, you know, knee deep in suffering and, and, you know, all the negative emotions that come when you lose somebody there, God's really sustaining you guys in this season. And it's really exciting. Um, you did mention the book and I want to switch gears here to talk about it because so much of what I and, and what Brett know you for and how we've bonded in ministry and not only just in, in the work we do to, to champion the next generation of girls, which we both, you know, that's, that's a, both big on our hearts, um, you know, as, as couples, but what we've really enjoyed about watching how your relationship has grown and flourished. And, and even in this season now with winter, not with us is this idea of working together and partnering in marriage and ministry. So you guys did that on the girls ministry front, but you also did it for this marriage book, which I want to get into because the book is called, it just came out. It's called emptied experiencing the fullness of a poured out marriage. And even when I say that title out loud, when you hear the words empty and poured out, it, it leaves you thinking like you're like, there's something that you're missing or there's something that's less than what you should have. So would you talk about not just the title of the book, but as you worked with winter through the process and this idea of uncovering what, what God wanted you to show people through this, this idea of pouring out and emptying yourself to your spouse, being living sacrificially, you know, living first and foremost with Jesus and eternity in mind. 
where did that where did that start and what was the process like to work with winter to write that yeah. book because it's it's I, I love the title because it's so interesting, but it evokes all of these emotions that are so countercultural. So I just want to know how that, what that process was like. Yeah. Well, the process started, uh, I think the day we got married For in the sure. sense that got <laughs> us and growing us and, um, it, uh, you know, our marriage, I look at it in three, we were married 15 years in one month. So I, we reached the 15 year mark, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but I look at our marriage in three different segments, like the first five years being, really rough, like us really understanding who we were, understanding who our spouses were, accepting who they were, differences, things we didn't understand, expectations, all that. The second five years were really more, uh, they were really good years. We're, we're, with being okay with those things, we began to do hard work in our marriage. The last five years were just simply amazing. We got to do ministry together and work together and love each other in ways that we never thought that we could, given some of the things that we went through. And, um, Honestly, the book started there, but uh, our publisher came to us. We, you know, all the ministry that Winter did in her magazine and all of her books, I would help her with. So we were working on it together. So we started doing ministry together, and they said, "Hey, would you guys, you know, we love watching your marriage, love how, watching how you work together. Would you guys consider doing a marriage book?" And we were like, uh, "No, uh, we've been married." <laughs> At that point, it was 13 years that we've been married, and they said, "Look, we don't want you to write a how-to. We want you to write a, like a basically just to join us on the journey. You guys have been through some things, you've learned some things, and you can practically talk." people through what that looks like and people that are behind you, maybe people ahead of you that haven't worked through those things. So um, we basically prayed about it and just decided we would do it. And there's one scripture that to me sticks out um, uh, and the word empty. You talk about the word empty. Let me read a scripture to you real quick. And it's from Philippians 2, um, 5 through 8. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And, you know, that's talking about death. It's really hard. But one of the things I love is, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like there was joy in the end of suffering. Like suffering, suffering when done from a Christian point of view, isn't suffering just for suffering. See, suffering is done for joy in the end. And for me, and for winter, one of the things that we, we knew is that if we were going to grow in our marriage, it would require suffering. It would require giving up and emptying ourselves. And not like, you know, obviously Jesus emptied himself. And I don't want to get into the theology of all this. But basically, the Bible says that Jesus laid aside all that he was, all of his power, humbled himself to be a servant so that there could be joy for him in the end and joy for us. And, you know, we look at our marriage in the same way um, in, the, in, the, in the sense that we wanted to have joy in the end. So we decided to take on the things that would that would that would look like, feel like, and actually be suffering in uh, serving each other well, and laying down, becoming becoming humble for each other, and operating from humility. So that's really the premise of the book, like the reality that if we're gonna if we're gonna serve each other like Christ, uh, like Bible says, love love your spouse like Christ loved the church. If we're gonna do that, it's gonna require us laying ourselves down, sacrificing ourselves at times. But it's for the it's in order that we might be filled. And what what we do is in the first half of the book, it talks about our, the process of us emptying ourselves and what that looked like for us. And then realizing that with every moment and every decision that we decided to empty ourselves, that God was filling us with the Holy Spirit. So the second half of the book is all about what the Holy Spirit can do in your life when you do that. When you make that decision to humble yourself like Christ humbled himself, what that can look like. So, yeah, that's where it came from. 
No, it's awesome. I, um, you, you know, so essentially what you're doing and you and you wrote the book together, which I love so much. And Brent and I talk about all the time, like we shared the stage for the first time, even just a couple of months ago. And it was, I don't know, just a new season for us. Like it's been me as like the voice and the mom and the everything. But it was, it was, it created such an interesting new dynamic for us to be able to feed off each other, to tell stories from, you know, one perspective, but essentially two different people sharing the same story. So it was really neat to experience that. Do you, as you look back through, you know, this is going to be your, the approach you take to marriage and, and, you know, you thinking about how you, you go, okay, we have these big goals. Like this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to love each other sacrificially, lay it down, live with humility, live with intention in every way. What are, can you like recall a story either where you hit a snag in that department or a challenge that you guys faced? And I know I can think about it right now because you've got, you know, four different girls, there's four different personalities, different experiences. You've got a lot of, you know, things going on that just are typical, you know, married people plus parenting equals disaster sometimes when you think about it. So is there a story of just a challenge that you guys overcome, but, but, you know, living with this intention, this goal of sacrificial living and humility in mind, can you think of a story that might bless people to hear about? Because I mean, yes, we can all try to do that, but we know we mess it up. We know, you know, we need Jesus to do it and we're, we're going to need all the grace. So I would love to hear just maybe a story or two about how that lived out inside your marriage. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself look like an idiot right now. And I'm gonna tell <laughs> probably the, the hardest story for, for me because it's the most personal and the most ignorant and the most like the reality of what I was like coming into marriage. And I'm a really image conscious person. It's just a part of my personality. I don't, you know, I'm an enneagram guy. I'm a three on the enneagram. We're very self conscious so people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I uh, so early on, actually before we got married, uh, it was actually we were engaged at the time. Uh, you know, Winter's this beautiful girl. She's five foot nothing, a hundred nothing, like just this beautiful you know, beautiful creation of God, you know, and, and I actually, in my, in all of my image management and, and my desire to want what I wanted, I said to Winter, hey, I just want you to know, um, it's really going to be hard for me to love you if you, if you get fat, if you're overweight. And that was a really immature thing for me to say. And it broke my wife's heart because I was basically telling her that my love came with conditions. Mm. And I didn't mean, I didn't mean I, it'd be hard for me to love you. I, you know, but in the end, like it was dumb, it was pickheaded, but that was something we had to work through for, for years. I talk about it in the book because at the very beginning, I think couple, all, most couples will have this experience that there's going to be some things in your marriage that are going to be feel like breaches of trust from the very beginning. It might mm -hmm. be things that happen in, in your history. It might be things that you do to each other in the very beginning of marriage, but there's this reality that there are going to be breaches in trust. And those are things that you're going to have to overcome over time. And I was having to earn back trust um, in that one specific department. Um, in a lot of ways. And so for me, what did that, it looked like a lot of um, a lot of laying down my image management and her seeing me laying down the image management for her to feel loved. And for her, it took forgiving me for being a pighead. You know what I mean? So that, that was one that was one major one in our marriage uh, that that was early on we had to overcome. Um, you know, the, the second one, I think, would be um, Winter and I were very different people. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm high energy. I'm a go getter. I'm a check the you know check the box. Give me a list, and I'm going to complete the list. Winter, uh, it was kind of cool. Like her cousin said at best at her funeral, like Winter totally. operated from rest. Place yeah. of rest. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, this girl, one, she, it was easy for her to say no to things that she knew that she wasn't called to. Two, she was never hard pressed. This girl wrote ten books, and never once was she hard pressed about a book launch. Never once. And God provided every single thing along the way. So a lot of times in marriage, that would look like 
for example, on vacations, it looked very different. Like what I thought of a vacation and what she thought of a vacation were two very different things. That was the first thought, fight we ever had was at a pre-marriage <laughs> class where we're like, where do you want to go on your honeymoon? And we, he was like, I want to go do all these activities. I'm like, I want to lay and nap and eat and drink. Yeah. That's it. Oh yeah. Well, that, first fight that, of many. <laughs> that's one of the first stories we tell in the book is about our, our honeymoon. And in my mind, the honeymoon is full of activity and full of energy. And we get to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico and winter's like, she sleeps the first like day and we're like looking at each other like, I don't understand you. You so clearly like, don't understand what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and she's does like, I don't understand you. Like, and so we started off marriage with a whole uh, wrong outlook on, on who we were, who each other was. And so anyway, we had to work through that. And that was that that takes laying down um, who you are. Ellen Weisel, who's a Holocaust survivor, um, once said, uh, the opposite of love is not uh, hate. The opposite of love is indifference. So indifference says, I want what I want, and I don't really care about what you want because I'm more worried about me. Love says, I care more about um, what you want than actually what I need. So good. And uh, so that's what, I mean, it's, not, it's it's actually kind of fun, though. Like, you know, the, the word empty, yeah, it can feel like, it can feel like a, a heavy word. But when you start doing it and you start realizing that you're winning your spouse over, just like Christ won us over through doing that, like, it becomes fun. It becomes joy. So. And we're back. The call just dropped off, which is why I'm in a totally different outfit that I was in yesterday. And so is Jonathan. But he was gracious enough to uh, schedule a call again so we could wrap things up for you guys. So that's why the weird uh, costume wardrobe change uh, if you're watching on video. If you're not, you're on the podcast and it doesn't matter. Um, so, Jonathan, to redirect and just to finish up our interview from our last conversation, do you feel like the approach to marriage that you and Winter took and watching what God can do when we operate from that headspace, the sacrificial living and, and living? on purpose to be intentional when you're trying to love each other do you think it helped you let go of your own assumptions about what marriage was going to be did it relieve any pressure that you guys were feeling when you looked out at other married people and thought gosh are they doing it better than we are yeah i mean i think it just helps in general i mean i think all of us um in marriage can judge our own marriages based on other people but i think in general it helps to only measure ourselves against what god's asking us to do not against anybody else and i think the more you can look at Christ likeness is a standard, the more it makes it less about other people and more about yourselves. I mean, I, Winter and I constantly still struggle with that because the reality is you always have other people around. That's human nature. So I would just say um, it did help because we did look back at, okay, what's Christ expecting of me? What's the, what's the Bible telling me that I should be doing? And those things, those standards are always going to be bigger and better than anybody else. And you compare them to that and they're going to, they're going to fail against that mark too, you know? So I, you know, I think so. That's good. That's why that's why grace at the end of the day, just just grace. Keep it simple. <laughs> totally. Um, what has it meant? So switching gears a little bit, I know we have to wrap up in a few minutes. What has it meant to you to be able to carry Winter's legacy forward and not just in your shared approach and the way that you guys approached your marriage, but the impact that she had in her books, in her ministry for girls, I mean, with the magazine and all of the ways that Winter was working, I mean, tirelessly, but also from a place of rest to come alongside the next generation of girls and just pour into them. What has it meant to you to be able to carry that forward? You know, honestly, it's been everything. It's been, I mean, probably the healthiest thing I've been able to do in my grieving. Um, because in some ways, you know, she's gone now, she's in eternity, but there's just a, I would say a little piece, but it's actually a really big piece of her that's still here through her magazine. Uh, her magazine's actually growing in this season right now. So to be able to like to have that and feel like I'm carrying something that's of value to winter. And it's a, that's a part of her imprint on this world. Um, it's been everything and it's been healthy. It's been a healthy part of my grieving process and I've been honored and proud to do it. 
um, you know, this last book being a part of that too. Um, you know, it's just all, and she's still got one more to come. So it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been rewarding. It's reminded me of what I had and made me grateful for the 15 years of marriage and 17 years total I had with winter. And, um, yeah, it's meant the world. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Um, that's so awesome to hear. So what is up next for you and the girls? How can we be praying for you guys? Like, what do you see in the next, um, seasons as you look out into 2019? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm managing, uh, for girls like you right now and trying to figure out what that looks like in its next season. It's growing right now, which means, um, you know, obviously always challenges ahead that I'm looking at. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm speaking a couple times this month and next month, Alina speaking a couple times this month and next month. So it's a busy household and uh, it probably doesn't look like most homes, but it's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding. And what's been really neat is that all of those different things in some way attach to winter, whether because we're carrying her books and we're telling her message. And um, so anyway, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun right now. And um yeah, just exciting times. It's so. so good to hear too. And I think even as you talk about the things that are coming up on the horizon, the word that comes to mind is just connection. I feel, I still feel so connected to her, not just in, in the work that she did, but just the person that she was. And it's so cool to stay connected to you guys and to be, to be getting updates on the girls and seeing what's going on and seeing how God's moving in your lives too. So it's, it's super exciting to watch it. Um, we have to wrap up. What is the best place for people to connect with you, pick up the book, find out more about what you guys have coming down the line for, for girls like you and the places you're going to be and what Lena's doing all the girls. Yeah, I would say for any girl moms that have tween girls, for girls like you.com is the best way to connect with us. They can subscribe to the magazine there, see our book products. Um, for the book, for empty, specifically, emptybook.com is a website they can go to to find out more about the book. They can hear a little bit about the, my story, our story, and a video that we have up there. And also get a free devotional. There's a free five day devotional up there at emptybook.com. Awesome. So you guys hear that too. Make sure you get the free devotional. We're going to put links up and um, on our social media and links to this episode. So just make sure it's really easy for you guys to find it. Jonathan, thanks so much for being here. You have been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for we having love me. Love you. Yep. Love you. See you soon.